Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of Kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join kumitecoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. Today we have a special guest, Paul Newby Sensei, who is former WKF World Kumite Champion. He's also the BKF coach and British Olympic performance coach. Uh, he's a coach to top fighters throughout the UK and is well renowned for his expertise and knowledge. I'm really excited about having him on the podcast today. Uh, he's also part of kumitecoach.com, uh, which is fantastic for us. So welcome, uh, newbie sensei. Thanks for joining us. Um, would you be able to start by just telling us your story about karate and how you found it? Um, and then maybe just take us briefly through your journey uh, so far. Wow, that's a... That's a uh, 30 odd years that now, um, feel old. Um, like most people, I think it was a bit of bullying when I was younger. So my parents took me to a local karate club. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but martial arts movies were big back then. Yeah, yeah Bruce, Adams, you, you know, so, and they were like main, you know, uh, cinema movies, you know, now it's like they're not, they're not that popular. So, you know, I used to watch them movies. Um, I just wanted to to uh, not only defend myself and my parents wanted me to, but also these films were great. Started off in a local club nearby, a Wado club. Um, I got my first belt with Suzuki and Sakagami. And realised I, I did enjoy the competition side of things at some club competitions. And uh, my, my dad worked with a guy... Uh, uh, on the gas board and he was like a top coach uh, but it was Shukakai and um, he decided to take me down there when I got a bit more into it uh, and I was a part of the SKU which was a big association years ago uh, since Stan Knighton was the, the the top coach there the, the main sensei um, my tournaments travelling around with my dad my dad didn't drive at the time and he, he decided to try and pass his driving test and he was in his 40s uh, to be able to take me to these tournaments so that's what we did and I started going around the circuit and doing okay not bad and um, then became you know one of the main faces on the circuit and winning you know the competitions I was only a lightweight so, and when I was in like uh, the open weights uh, I was still winning against bigger people um, I then went to uh, I think it was when the the EKGB first started, and I was a part of the EKB, which was the KUGB, which you guys were part of. Yeah. Uh, I was in that, uh, the 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 EKB, and then was the EKC that came together, and they had the EKGB, and I, I saw the 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 EKC part of the. Then I think it was um, what was the governing body then the main government. It wasn't WKF; it was something else back then. But that's what, like, the Vic Charles, Jeff Thompson was a part of. And then there were these guys fighting that day, and it was Wayne Otto, Willie Thomas, 
and it, it would just really really open my eyes to uh, this this other um, governing body of, uh, of fighters and uh, Wayne Otto did the treble that day, won his weight, the open weight and the team and that was it, I was like that's what I want to do I want to fight for England and be like him uh, all the other fantastic, don't get me wrong, Willie uh, Ian Cole, Paul Alderson uh, Augustus Paul, some fantastic fighters all in different teams fighting against each other and I just thought that is what I want to be and it changed me. I, that 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 Monday, that was on a Sunday in Birmingham, at the the championships. And I went back on the Monday afterwards, and I was bouncing around, and I was a bit more slick and a little bit more movement in. Uh, you know, it was just a little bit different way of fighting. It, what I was used to doing was a bit static and a bit on a straight line. And these guys were different. And uh, um, that's it. It changed my my way of training, the way I looked at things, and um, started to go to tournaments doing even better. And then I went to the um, uh, my first national training, England squad training, uh, with Vic Charles. Vic Charles, my first England coach, uh, um, and you know from there on, I, I you know I've, I, I've trained with the England team, um, managed to make make it as a, a a senior. You know, a lot of people have fought for England or competed for England, but senior is a different thing. Uh, I didn't fight as a junior uh, under 21. It wasn't something we really pushed in my club uh, back then. I mean, I do now. Now you can fight for England at 14 years old, but I didn't fight for England until I was 20. Right. And then, uh, you know, I got on the England team and I was a regular face on the England team. I made my, my, my category quite a lot and um, went to the Open, started establishing myself abroad and being a bit of a face on the podium, regular abroad. And... Uh, you know, managed to move on to be one of the most successful minus 60 kilo fighters in the world and, and what Britain's produced. Uh, and one of my main achievements was that I made the men's team. Uh, I might not have always got in the five and maybe not fought every round, but, you know, for a minus 60 to make the men's England team. Back then as well, the England team, we medalled all the time, most of the time. You know, we never won the big one and never won a European or Worlds, but we got silvers, yeah. we got bronze. And uh, I was in that team contributing. You know, and you got to think in that team, they were all big lads: Rory Daniels, Davin Pat, Craig Burke. You know, Leon Walt was obviously world heavyweight champion. Um, you know, Paul Richards. You know, all big fellas, and uh, Jason Legister, and then little old me. You know, minus sixty. Uh, so that was a big achievement for me, and I, I got good at team fighting through the how good the England circuit was back then. The team yeah. event, brilliant, all up and down the country. You know, you fight for your club team and you'd, you'd be meeting, you know, teams from all over the country who were all big fellas and, you know, tough days. You, you could go to an open tournament in England back then and have 15 fights in one day. Uh, so, prepared me for the England thing. But that was one of my main achievements. And, uh, you know, that, that that's what I did. And it ended up being my job. I was on the lottery funding for a lot of years. For about six years, I was lottery funding. And it's what I did for a profession. I was a fully funded athlete. Um, got all my trips obviously funded. All the, 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 the you know back when England were you know were a force, and um, you know good times, good times. We travelled the world fighting. That was that was my job. So some people may have fought abroad and fought for England or what, but it was their second. They had, they had an occupation, whereas that was, was all I did. So I was lucky. I suppose not lucky. I was. I worked hard at it. I trained hard. And, you know, I can look back and think, wow, you know, what a great life I had as a competitor in Karai. Yeah, fantastic. 
And um, what, how do you see Kumite today as a sport um, versus how it was back when you were active as an athlete yourself? Do you think it's changed a lot or is it similar or uh, are fighters facing the same challenges? Yeah, of course. The, the, but people say, oh, it's not as tough as it used to be. And it's like, oh, give over. Come on. You know, these guys are... Mo- I, I like to think I was part of the modern era, you know, we're in the 2000s and karate, the rules have changed to how, pretty similar to how they are now. Um, but, you know, people are so uh, more skillful and, uh, and you know, it, it's like boxing, you know, the old fights when you see these old black and white uh, fights and they're absolutely beating each other to a pulp. Yeah, because now nowadays people might have defend and move their head and, yeah. you know, Look after the self, and don't mean that they're not as tough. The, the lads, to, the the fight, the best fighters that are around today could have lived in any era. And um, the only problem uh, that England have got are numbers. Not uh, not as many people do it as they used to do. I think in the EKGB when I was a part of that, there were like hundred and fifty thousand members. I mean that that might be absolutely accurate, but it were a lot. And now there might be twenty, thirty thousand. So there's not many. There's no funding for British athletes anymore. There's a little bit of a contribution, I think, uh, if you get high up there. Um, so, and it's who's doing karate now. It's it's quite expensive, you know. Yeah. I run a, an amateur boxing club, and it's it's just way cheaper to do it. So, karate is expensive to do. Whereas, uh, uh, I had a conversation with uh, Jeff Thompson a, a few months ago. And he was on about, you know, if it had been like it is now, when he was getting into karate, him and Vic Charles, he said he wouldn't have been able to do it because he wouldn't have been able to afford it. So you wouldn't have had this great champion uh, or champions because it would have been too expensive. And, and that's, a, that's another problem we face, you know. In Kazakhstan, which is one of the best countries in the world at the moment, and they seem to have come from nowhere, but they can't have done it. it must have been, they must have been doing it for, uh, at this level for a while, but we just hadn't sort of noticed. But karate is free over there if you're a kid uh, and then when you get onto the national squad you are well looked after they have one of the best programs in boxing best programs in wrestling and best mm-hmm. programs right now and that's why they're doing so well because anyone can access it it's free and then when you get to the national team they've got one of the best setups there is in the world that's why kazakhstan now are a force because of that structure whereas in england you know it to train on the regional team it's 20 quid i mean come on you know to go to a competition it's at least 30 40 quid get there and travel and then your parents have to pay eight ten quid to get in to watch you i mean that criminal you know what i mean these kids are wanting to take part in a sport a life skill which is you know self-defense and it's just so expensive so that's the the the, pro, the 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 difference. But when I was doing it, it was more accessible. It was cheaper, uh, and the numbers were high. And you know, uh, we, we, so the the foundations were, were were great when I was was involved. Whereas it's slipping or it's slipped. Yeah, yeah, and so we'll we'll come back to that in a, a little bit because. Um, you know, one of the things we want to do in, as part of Kumite coaches is help fighters financially and uh, you know, provide some sort of funding to help them move forward. Um, but going back to your days as a fighter, 
what what were some of the biggest challenges you faced in terms of your own training um and then how do, how does that compare now as a coach like as a coach you'll have challenges you're facing day to day as well uh, can you just talk a little bit about your your challenges you faced as a fighter first of all um i think it was um i wanted to specialize in kumite i did do the both which most people in my era and before maybe even now for some people you've got to do both uh, but I wanted to do just focus on my kumite, um, but still in the weekly sessions we were still covering things that I think was taking my 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 time and my effort away from what I wanted to be specific on, which was fighting. Yeah, so, yeah. You don't you know you don't do the kata side of things, but if someone does kata only kata in karate, no one seems to. Yeah, that's fine. If you're the other side, like me, who just wanted to focus on fighting, it was like, oh, well, you're not really doing real karate. Is again, I don't agree with my opinion. I don't agree. With, I want to fight. That's up to me. You want to do kata. That's up to you. If you want to do both, it's up to you. So you know, I was going to training, and sometimes you do 45 minutes, 50 minutes of basics and kata. And I mean, we're talking like not basics like basic kicking and punching. Basics like eye gouge for. A, or a, a knee or, or some crane stance. And it's like, well, I'll, I get doing basics in what I do, punching, kicking, blocking, moving, you know, basic break it right down. I get that. But some of the moves were so far from what I was wanting to specialize in. Mm. That's something a little bit like, you know, I, I love with it because it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not getting the weekly training. I need to be, to be um, what I want to be. Um, so we started doing a lot of training on my own with my training partners, but not just aimlessly doing it and not thinking about it. We were putting a lot of time and effort into watching it and devising training sessions back when I was a competitor. And I think that's why I moved on to be quite a good coach because I was always coaching myself and my, my guys that are Greg Burke, Kane Kelly, Matt Price. You know, we were all, I were always coming up with training sessions for us to, to get ready for competitions. Um, so, we, you know, training were difficult facilities. Oh my word, the facilities yeah. weren't any. It's simple as that. I mean, Matt Price has got his own dojo. I've got my own dojo. Nearly everyone has their own dojo now. I mean, we used to go abroad as the England team and train in sports and in squash courts. And we were the national squad, one of the best teams in the world. And we didn't even have mats. And I know back then you sort of, well, well we don't need them. But, you know, wow, that now you wouldn't even dream of training without mats. Yeah. But, like a boxer, they're not going to train in a in a squash court either. They're going to they need a boxing ring. Yeah. You know, a judo player or a BJJ, they need mats. We needed mats, but we just it wants some of that. So the facilities were just terrible. I remember doing a fight off in an airport. <laughs> we had a fight off in an airport. <laughs> or in a room. No. You know, like you, you, now you can't even do fight offs without the full referee structure. And yeah, rightly so, because we have to, if you, we, if we have to be professional and, and that. So facilities were bad. My, my, my students are so spoiled. They don't even realize it. They've got high level coach, high level training partners, and nice facilities. It's not the best in the world, but it's, it's it, you know, we, we were training church halls and wooden. Up, it's burning your feet, you know. If you if you got 
uh, pushed into the wall. They were radiated. You know what I mean? It was just, but that's how it was. Everyone sort of trained out of school halls and churches back then. Uh, so f facilities were bad. And to start off, we were, you know, obviously we're ne never going to be a professional. My, my friend, one of my best friends played for Derby County at football. Uh, so he was like going to become a millionaire. My other friend were running for Great Britain as a, a long distance runner and he was like going away, travelling away with like Linford Christie and people like that. So, And I was going to be the poor karate guy who's never going to do it as a job. But it all changed when the lottery money came in and it ended up, I ended up being a professional athlete as well. So that was, that, to start with, it was always like, why, you know, am I going to, I'm going to have to get a job at some point or, yeah. uh, or, or and I decided to be poor and uh, stay at my parents' house and, and, and just sort of catch off them. <laughs> yeah. It paid off because then it, when the lottery money came around, I were at a level where I could just, you know, bring home the medals and get paid. Yeah. So, you know, they, they were a few of the difficulties. And, and, and also in karate, again, I, I think, you know, you could have a club of 50 black belts and only two of them can fight. So training partners were difficult back when I was trying to make it um, because the rest of them were just practicing it as a, a martial art, a uh, hobby uh, or a, um, a self-defense, bit of fitness. So how can them people even come near to be a train with me who's trying to become a world champion? So tra training partners was bad. And Matt Price suffered that as well. And that's why he sourced out me and Craig Burke. Kane were a little bit younger then. But um, he, he sourced us out because he needed training partners. So he started to come over and train with us. Yeah. Because in his club, he might have had 100 people there, but hardly any could fight competition style at that level. So they're, they're just a few of the things off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. And what, what challenges you find are the toughest being a coach, whether it's a club coach or national coach or now British Olympic coach? Um, again, I think uh, when I was doing um, the, 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 I don't want to say this out of turn, or, uh, but when I was doing it, the, the main guys, we were all like um, uh, <laughs> working class, you know, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Davin works for his family company, the, the construction, uh, uh, Rory Daniels is a roofer. Um, I would just... Uh, I don't know what I was going to do. You know, I just wanted to be a karate guy. Um, and I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn. I think it were a different type of person. So, we, you know, we we were all quite hardy and, and everything. And so we just did it. Whereas now a lot of the karate guys are educated people. You know, I'm not saying we weren't educated. We were stupid. But, you know, these people got a university and stuff. So they can either go down the karate path and be skinned and spend money. It's all out of their money. They're, they're, it's like, hang on a minute, I'm spending thousands of pounds a year. Or go down the route of what I've got my education in. Be, be, some of the guys are like solicitors and, and, and work in banking, and it's like, or have a nice life and, and buy everything that I want. And, you know, so we have that problem now. So these people are like, you know, enough's enough. I've been doing it a lot of years and I'm paying out so much money. It's not worth it. I need to get into my, into my, uh, uh, making money for my family and stuff and, and get the, the see through the degree and going to a job that they've planned uh, so they definitely have that um, you know the type of person that's doing karate now I mean like I say you have to be quite wealthy to afford to do it so there might be some people on some 
date somewhere in the area, some tough kids that could come in and be the next best thing. I'm not saying the people that are doing it can't be, because obviously we've proved it, but it like the accessibility is not there for everyone because it's yeah. just, you know, so yeah. And, and um, some people said the snowflake era a little bit, we're getting a bit softer. You know, people have got everything in England now. You got, you know, the, everyone's got an iPad, everyone's got a phone, everyone's got, what do they want for what they're fighting for? Whereas some, some countries they're still saying that these people are really fighting to, to, to make something themselves, make money for themselves and the family, you know, and the rewards are so high for them to succeed. Yeah. Um, I, I do, like Turkey, if you win, if you win your, your world gold medal, you get a house. Wow. Whereas <laughs> in any, I won my world title. I, I, I was, I, I, nothing changed for me. If, if anything, the lottery money stopped four months later. So, wow. uh, whereas the world title, they win a house, you know. But the Azerbaijan, they won the uh, Baku European Games. If they won a gold medal at that, they won 150,000 euros. Whoa. So if that, in, you know, come on. Professional boxing, UFC, I love all these sports. I mean, UFC's on the night, I can't wait. You know, if, if you knew you were going to be putting the time, putting the effort, you'll not only be famous and you'll, you know, achieve a lifelong goal, but also you're going to be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably going to attract a lot more people. You know, you know, you're going to put that extra effort in. You're going to, you're going to go that extra mile. Yeah. Whereas, oh, you're going to put the time and effort in. You're going to win a world title, but you're going to be skinned. <laughs> yeah. What do you yeah. do? That makes that that is a is an issue, um, and uh, what was I going to say? Um, can you tell us a little bit about the people of influence in your martial arts career? Who are the main instigators of change for you? You mentioned seeing Wayne Otto uh, yeah. you know, winning, and that was a, a big turning point for your your sort of thoughts around competition, but. Who were the who who were the guys that coached you? Who are the guys that pushed you on to the next coach? Um, what kind of happened around that? Yeah, um, like I said, that seeing that, that competition that day changed my, my way of thinking and how I wanted to approach my karate. Um, I was lucky enough to be in uh, Vic Charles's association as a, as a, in my late teens, so he was. Um, his thought process on how to compete was just, I've never seen anything like it. Um, the guy is intense. Yeah. You know, like, like we all, just the competitiveness in that, that man is unreal. Excuse me. Uh, Tiki Don was my uh, second England coach. He was coached before Vic, Vic moved in with Abdu and got the, the, the job coach for three years and then Tiki came back uh, so Tiki was my, my, my coach with Wayne as his assistant for uh, which was fantastic he was assistant stroke still competing <laughs> uh, he came out of retirement on two pre-trainings and was in the men's team and we, we, we meddled uh, so Tiki was the my, my head coach with Wayne as his assistant um, so they were then a part of my whole karate career as a, an international athlete yeah. uh, 
Ian Cole was a part of that setup. Willie Thomas was a part of that setup, but just not as as as, as much as as uh, obviously Wayne and Tiki led that. Um, you know, being a part of a great team. I mean, I, my my aim was to join um, my teammates as champions. So Wayne, Ian were teammates to start with, and then the likes of Leon, Jason, Davin, Rory. Um, and Milo, Kane, Craig Burke, they, 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 we were all medalists and it were like, we, we had to win a medal to be a part of that club. Yeah. So for it, when I won my first K1 medal, I think it was the Paris Open, I got a bronze. It were like, oh, thank God, I've now won one like they have. <laughs> Brilliant junior careers. Leon Walters, I think, were three times under 21, uh, uh, under 21 European champion. Jason had won and, and Silvers. Davin Pack was under 21 European and world champion. The champion, you know. We celebrate Joe Calloway and Brandon Carr and them now, which is fantastic. They, they've got bronze medals. Davin did the double. He won the European and the Worlds as an under 21. Uh, so I was in that squad and felt a little bit. I need to do something here because I'm not I'm I'm not fitting in with these guys. These guys have got their, their CVs way above mine. Yeah. Uh, so I um I would just get them medals to to be a part of this this uh, great bunch of lads. So they inspired me a lot. You know what I mean? The brothers. You know. Yeah. So the female athletes as well. I'm not not to leave them out. The the female athletes that were at the same. Katrina, just one of them, Katrina Law. She was 18 years old and she won the European Championships in Turkey, 2000, and she won the final 6-0. <laughs> wow. <laughs> First to six, won 6-0. Amazing. And she was 18 years old. And I'm like, I'm 22. She's only going to win this. And I don't get my finger out. Yeah. Um, so they really inspired me, you know, obviously my parents, um, I've got kids, uh, my daughter Bobby were born in 2002, when uh, on the weekend that I won the world bronze medal, my daughter was born the day I got home on the Monday, I won that on the Saturday, uh, the bronze medal, and uh, it, we had a team silver as well, so I mean, you know, I, I fought for them to try and just keep my lottery money in, and uh, um, so, and uh, you know, my training partners, Matt Price, Kane, Craig, they were my main training partners. They inspired me because they were tough. We were from the north. We were, you know, a team. Yeah. You know, we were together around the circuit. We won English, British, three on threes. We travelled the world, fought in competitions. So they were massive influences and, and, and they inspired me. So, yeah. Fantastic. And um, we had Matt, obviously, on last week talking about his journey in karate. And one of his big turning points was was meeting yourself and finding that little training group you had going. Um, and, and since then, you've become great friends. Yeah. And you're also both part of uh, KumiteCoach.com yeah. as well, the two head coaches. Um, can you remember meeting Matt for the first time and how that went down for you? Yeah, like it was yesterday. I was fighting in, uh, in Nottingham at the um, AMA International. Uh, I actually fought my main rival from England at the time, great fighter, European world medalist, Milo Hodge. We we had some battles to get. We knew if one of whoever went abroad, we were going to win some. Um, so that we, we were legendary 
him. And I fought him in the final beat him. And uh, Craig fought in the heavyweight division, smashed everyone because the heavyweights uh, uh, around him at that time just weren't nowhere near him. Uh, except Lee, he never did the circuit up north. Uh, Craig, with well, that, came on his bit and then we did a team event and we just annihilated everyone. We were menaces. We were just so much better than everybody else. No one could come near us. We won't, We were competing at the English level, British level, three-on-three, three, winning three-on-three, three, and then we were in the in the northern circuit. People, we turn up and teams would leave. <laughs> the bags leave because they were like, the, we used to have coaches coming up and saying, take it easy or, or, or complaining because we were just too... The different level then the yeah. gap and Matt was there in the crowd watching and he approached us and he says look I, I, uh, I'm in the KUGB which I knew Craig and Ken and that didn't really know the KUGB really that much but I, I remember it from when I was a kid uh, I knew it was a big association but I knew they were very like old, old schoolers in the Ippon Shobu type fighting no gloves yeah. uh, so I knew it and respected it and he He's, he's full-time coach now and he wants to better his fighting career. And I think he got a silver in the KGB Nationals. That was his best medal or something at the time. And he stayed and watched us and I just said, look, you know, at the end of it, when we've done the business, uh, because loads of people back then came up to us and wanted to train with us and wanted to be a part of what we were doing because we were, we were good fighters, fighting abroad, winning stuff. We were, we, we were homegrown fighters from from competing, you know, the, the organisers, the, the referees all knew us from kids, from being like peewees. Me and Craig were fighting them tournaments as peewees. So we were homegrown and we were, we were, we were awesome. We were, we were getting on the international circuit and beating countries as a, like a, three lads from the north in the same England team, beating countries. Yeah. Uh, I remember I went over to Addingham because Matt's terrible with directions. He's got... <laughs> Matt couldn't find his way anywhere back then because he was doing the map. So I had to bring him to, to meet him, to bring him to Silsley. We took him to the hotel. We used to train in a hotel that sort of sponsored us. We were allowed to use the, the facilities, the swimming pool, the jacuzzis and that. And we'd train up in the function rooms because uh, I used to work there. So I'd sorted it out. And that's where we trained all through us all careers in the day. And we took him there and it was renowned. We, 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 killed, we, we hurt people. We, it were, I don't necessarily agree with it so much now, but that was the way then. We trained hard and fast all the time. Fitness like you won't believe it. If you can't pull your weight, you're getting hurt. And Matt came and he had a, a good session, but it was so tough. It was different to what he was used to. Uh, and he, he, to the, now he'll explain and he'll admit it now that he couldn't walk for like a week. But he, but he came back and he came back again and he came back again and it was tough for him. And, you know, Craig Burks and everywhere. Matt was a classes and everywhere, but he's nowhere near Craig's size. So it's not like he was training with lightweights and Kane who's a, like a classes of light middleweight. He, he, Craig Burke was one of the best heavyweights, WKF, and, and big. So not just everywhere, one of the big ones. Yeah. Absolute monster, kick, great kicker, big puncher. You know what I mean? He went into full contact fighting and no one's lasted the distance. I think in MMA he's had four fights and all four haven't got past a minute. And so he had it tough 
and he just kept coming back and back. Respect, respect, respect. And uh, he's a traditional. He's from a real traditional background, and and uh, you know loves his karate, and I respect that. And that, that's why I still respect it now because of Matt. You know, so he 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 really did get respect off us, and it, we've been friends ever since. We speak to each other every week. We before the lockdown, we meet up for a, a coffee every week. Um, discuss karate and we, t we teach the Yorkshire uh, Dales camp every year now uh, obviously it won't be on this year but that's been a success and it's just a good blend we're not we're straight talking to each other we're honest uh, he tells me when he thinks I'm wrong I tell him when I think he's wrong and, and or, or you know when we always meet in the middle of that respect and that all started just from a t competition in, in Nottingham and you know, but I, you know, he, he's always been in my corners for full contact fighting. When I went into that, he's always somewhere around other things that I'm doing. He does. He, he did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a while. I think he's too busy now. He got to blue belt. We did that together, and you know, we we just love fight. We love fighting. We love combat. Uh, so yeah, and um, and I'm still. We're all still friends now. But that's respect for that. You 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 know, I can speak to. I could have. Um, two years three years away from speaking to Matt and I pick up the phone it's like we you know not that we do but I could pick up the phone I just know we'd just hit it off like that you know same with the other guys on the team you know yeah yeah fantastic um just with regard to your um your like the combat side of things in your training you obviously um went on to do some k1 uh full contact uh, kickboxing matches. Um, there's one on that I've seen on Eurosport where you fight a, I think a kung fu guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, so you were obviously trained in boxing. Were you doing that during your karate career, or is that something you started after your karate? Or did do you do you think there's value in cross training for karate guys? For me, it was because I wanted to. I needed to have some, some, like I said earlier about going to a club and doing forty-five minutes car, and then having fifteen minutes sparring with people that probably aren't good enough to really spar with. I like. I need some challenge. I need someone to be punching me in my face. I need to be feeling scared and out of my comfort zone. So, uh, and my family are boxers. You know, we've got Irish. My, my grandparents were Irish. My granddad was a, a good boxer. Uh, old school, you know, fighting in um, these booths, you know, these these fairground things, and then went on to be a really uh, good sort of amateur pro. Back then, they were a bit different. They got paid, but they weren't, they weren't really the job. Uh, but he was a good boxer. Um, so we've I always loved boxing, and then I, like I said, I needed a challenge. Uh, where I live, um, it's quite political and like you know, little villages, who's the toughest, who's the toughest in the school, who's the hardest man in this village. And, you know, there were lads at school that were boxers and I wanted to I wanted to have a fight with them without getting told off. Uh, so I used to go down to local boxing club and spar with the lads and found I loved it. I loved boxing on telly. Me and my dad used to watch it all the time. We loved the memorabilia. Uh, so I, I was boxing alongside my karate, but my karate was my number one. I loved it, you know, I would, I loved it. It's my baby. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been boxing since about 1996. Um, yeah, definitely once a week, twice a week. If I were um, off from karate for a bit, I'd go down more. I'd do it on my own time. I loved it. I loved the the, 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 the defensive side of it, and I love the um, 
you've got to be tough to be a boxer. To get punched in your face 99% of the time, it's tough. Way tougher than MMA. Um, and, but I believe in karate. If it's done right, a lot of it's done wrong. And I can say that, and I'll challenge anybody who wants to ever chat to me about it, and I'll tell them. Karate's done wrong a lot. Whereas boxing, it can't, if you're an amateur boxer, you can't, you, you can't be done wrong. You're going to hit each other and bend yourself and take punches and learn how to take a punch and uh, learn how to throw a punch. And whereas some karate clubs can really be so far from that and, and do it just kata or basically thin air training for the whole career. How's that going to get you ready for a real fight? or to defend yourself or, or whatever. So, um, you know, I really I really did did respect the boxing, but I knew karate done right is fantastic. And that's why I took the K1 fight. Yeah. A few people offered the fight on with Joe Long, you know, the 10K guy, yeah. uh, he was ringing around people saying, I can get you a fight on this show. It was called the K1 Battle of Britain. The winner of that would go to Japan to fight in the K1 Grand Prix. When K1 was big, it was as big as done every year. It's the Grand Prix. I used to love that. And I got the phone call and was, yeah, I'll have it. Don't matter. I know karate done right. I'll I'll sort this guy out. And uh, I got offered the fight. Got offered the opponent. Uh, it was like I don't care who it is, as long as the same weight as me. Let's do it. And I knocked him out because I knew karate would, if done right. Fantastic. It was a great fight. It was good to watch. And Matt was in the corner, wasn't he? Corner, didn't you? Yeah, again, me and, I, I did my boxing. I travelled down to London. Joe Long got me loads of sparring. I travelled around the day. I went through a lot for that. I was training boxing, sparring every week, you know, rounds and rounds. I was going down a week. My weekends were spent travelling around London to gyms, sparring with Thai boxers, box, pro boxers, kickboxers, MMA guys, and just doing rounds and rounds and rounds. And then I'd drive back up the motorway on Sunday night thinking if my people knew what I was having to go through, <clears throat> going into people's dojos, and it was a real fight every time. You know, it was full contact. No, no, none of they, They're not going to let me go into their gym and, and rule it. They're trying to kill me. So I had to do that all the way up to that fight. Matt was a part of my training at home with my conditioning, my leg conditioning, which I don't think we've got time to go into it, but that was brutal. Matt would just, because that, that was my biggest fear. We never the punch to the face, we never the movement, never the kicking punch. I knew how I was sorry. It was taking leg kicks worried me. So yeah. I was in charge of my leg conditioning. By the time the fight came around, we broke a kendo sword on my legs. <laughs> we broke sword was broke he, he smashed it over a period of four three four months we broke a kendo sword one of them bamboo things on my legs that's how serious to, we were that's how we were we were just we're not gonna leave it to chance if he when he kicked my legs he was kicking and i kept that up in my karate because back then we didn't have the foot guards or the shin shin guards were optional my shins were like concrete i'd go into a karate competition against a lightweight and i'd put one around his back or, or throw it as hard as i could you know, not being being skillful. I wasn't just being a brute. And if he were in the way of that, that that's that's your problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're, and I took that into my karate and kept that up. 
So that Matt was in charge of my conditioning. We always did fitness training together. We always, you know, he, he was always interested in kickboxing and, and stuff with me. So he did. I know Matt's a traditionalist. You all see him in his gear all the time. But Matt, Matt knows his stuff. He, he's, he can grapple, he can box, he can kickbox. He's no mug. I've got a fun story that I could tell you about at my gym and these cage fighters offered Matt into the cage. And I was running down the steps going, no, no, because these guys were inexperienced. As it were. And Matt destroyed them, both of them. <laughs> one, one of them broken ribs, right mess. Oh, uh, we are running out of time. I just wanted to ask uh, one one more question. We're, we're going to have to get you back because we haven't done half of them. Um, you know, I I've got a, a dojo, obviously, um, and I get people in who you know have aspirations in their karate. Um, mm. Quite quite often, you know, you ask people what they want to be, and it's I want to be world champion in uh, kumite, or it might be kata, but let's say kumite. Um, and you know, within within one competition, that that idea has evaporated from their head. You made it one of the, the few people that have become a world champion in all styles karate. Could you just tell us a little bit about that day when you won that? Um, when I won it, yeah. Um, relief, without a doubt, relief. Oh my god! And I, I, I was only twenty six. I was like thinking, ah, oh, I've done it now. Pressure's off. I can now enjoy myself. Because people don't realise how much you put in to even the guys that are doing it now. That are, the the work you really have to put in to become the world champion or, or a world medalist, European medalist, you have to sacrifice everything. You know, family, uh, money, uh, a life, as in like being well enjoy yourself in the prime time where you could be out with your pals partying and enjoying your life which I totally agree with that's why I tell my guys when you're in the off season enjoy it because once we were on the, the, the circuit to, to get to the European or Worlds you're going to have to sacrifice everything and and I did I, I don't get me wrong when I won my medals I went and I let my hair down I wind down and uh, you know my dad let me go out for you know to enjoy myself because it was so tough so much training uh, so much uh, heartache uh, a pal of mine, me and a pal of mine uh, he ended up being a velodrome world champion in the, the velodrome cycling he won a world title um, a few years after me at that and we once sat in a cafe and we said what, what, what if we could write down the words what you, you could associate with your world title should we do it now and we wrote it all down and there wasn't one nice word on that it wasn't like happy, and it was like blood, wet, uh, sacrifice, uh, you, you know, anxiety. Everything was, but it's worth it when you do it. So it was just pure relief because everything up until then was just like brutal. Uh, and the guys that I work with now, I've got a few fighters here in my house now that all want to go to Olympics. Uh, I work closely with Jordan Thomas. Uh, I have done for the last, well, I have done for all his career, but more so up in Manchester. And so much effort, and uh, you, you just hope that, that people within the governing body don't really know how much they, these guys really put in and how much sacrifice they do. And that's why they, I just hope that they all get it. I, I really do. Our top fighters in this country now, male and female. I just hope that they get 
the reward back of like getting to at least experience that Olympics because they deserve it. They train as hard as any other comp any other sport, and they do it for the love of it because they don't do it for the money. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Well, we're gonna have to stop there, Newby Sensei. Thanks so much for uh, being on the cast. And uh, look forward to getting you back to get some more of these questions answered and some more, some more tales from yourself. Thank you very much. Your... Quick one for you, Ben. Yeah. You don't have to keep calling me sensei. <laughs> Maybe coach, but you definitely have to keep calling me sensei. I'll, I'm your pal. I'll have to work on that, though. Your pal. <laughs> You're a in jiu-jitsu you're a black belt in karate why why you keep calling me sensei let's just have it <laughs> call me a lad <laughs> all right lad <laughs> all right well, i'm gonna stop it now all right mate.